Hi, everybody. Welcome to Women in Retail Talks, the podcast where C-suite executive women in the retail space share their stories of professional growth, leadership development, personal journeys, and more. I'm Melissa Campanelli, the co-founder of the Women in Retail Leadership Circle, which is a membership-based community of executive women at leading retailers and brands. Joining me today is Farrell Robin Gilston, the founder and CEO of Farrell Robin Footwear, a design and manufacturing company that creates women's footwear for retailers and brands around the country. Farrell is committed to empowering all women by designing impactful footwear and changing the world through inclusivity and sustainability initiatives. She's been a leader in the footwear industry for over 20 years, and we're so thrilled to have her today. So with that, welcome to the show, Farrell. Thank you. It's um, I'm quite honored and really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you so much. It was so great to meet your team at Shop Talk, um, and we had a great conversation, and so I was so thrilled that you could join us. Um, so I'm just going to jump right in, uh, as we do with all of our podcasts, uh, to tell it to learn a little bit about who we're talking to. So tell us a little bit about your background and your sort of entrepreneurial journey to founding uh, your company, Farrell Robin Footwear. Sure, it's a long journey. Um, <laughs> I was actually born the middle child of entrepreneurial parents, but I was also the only girl um, in the family. So um, I think being entrepreneurial was always what I had intended for my life. Um, I think as the middle and only girl in the family, I was also somewhat renegade and um, intuitively or naturally just always questioned the, the, the status quo and was, was born a bit of a nonconformist and um, had a bold approach to the world. So, so I knew I would become an entrepreneur. I just didn't know in what capacity. Um, when I was 16 years old, I, I grew up in New York City and I was, um, wanted to make some, some personal spending money, uh, for lack of a better way to put it. And I walked home from high school and stopped in every store between school and my home and um, was hired by Kenneth Cole um, Footwear, which was at that, that time, this really cool footwear store on the Upper West Side. And, um, and it felt like home, like from the day that I walked into the store, it just felt like home to me that I was passionate about the footwear. I was, I was um, intuitively good at, and I think probably because um, I, I have a high sensitivity um, to women and what they wanted and their needs. And I became um, incredibly passionate about the industry. Mm. Um, I sent in a late application to FIT and I never left the industry. Mm. Wow. I, I did probably a month of being a horrible server at a restaurant on the other <laughs> side. But other than that, I really <laughs> never left the industry. And, um, and I spent about 20 years doing everything that I possibly could and learning as much as I possibly could um, about design and production and footwear and how to make a collection. And I was a buyer and I was the worst customer service representative <laughs> aerosols has probably ever had. And I, you know, moved to Italy to learn how to, to, to um, pattern make with, wow. with the artisans in Italy and uh, really did just about anything that you could possibly do in the footwear industry um, 
and it was gritty and it took a long time. Um, but I loved every, every aspect of it. Um, and in 2000, um, there was a white space in, in the world of footwear. And, and that was when I felt ready or, or, or capable of actually starting my own company. Um, so I'm a bit older, but if you could think back to that time period, there really was only three alternatives for footwear for women um, with the hundreds of companies that were producing shoes. And that was um, high-end luxury designer footwear that you can find in major department stores that were very costly. Um, it was um, brown, conventional, uninspired design that corporate American men uh, had deemed what corporate American women should be wearing. And there was junior footwear that really we had been wearing throughout our teens and now our, our younger siblings were wearing. And there was nothing creative in between. Um, and at that point in time, I, I knew how to make shoes and I knew how to make shoes well. I had strong relationships um, with, with partners that I had worked with for many years um, in Asia. And I started Farrell Robin Footwear to serve this white space. It, it almost felt as if women were being underestimated and undervalued. And that became the sweet spot of Farrell Robin. This creative color, fun and playful line of shoes at a reasonable price point. Right. That's so fascinating. It is interesting. I mean, I'm, I'm also a little bit older and I do remember going to shoe stores with my mom and just being very underwhelmed, you know, <laughs> just because I was like, I guess this is what it is. It's just, you know, you're going to work and you have to wear, you know, black or brown shoes. So that's so cool that you saw the white space and, um, and you know, did something about it. So what is your favorite thing about your job? What do you love about it? Oh God, I love everything about my job. Um, I really, it, it is almost as if it was divine intervention that that, that is the store that I walked in that day because, um, you know, 30 years later, I still love everything about, about um, footwear and empowering women with the use of fashion. But I, I think what I love most about my job today is that I... Um, can honor the curiosity that I've always had. Like I am, you know, one of those people who will go down the rabbit hole of something that interests them and just constantly ask questions about how and why things are the way they are. And I have given myself permission to, to honor that and to think creatively and be maverick and to, to, put things together that historically weren't done as a means to make things better and to really support the desire that I have to, to change the industry and, and to do things better in a surprising way. And, and that is the job that I have today is to shake up the system and just make it better for everybody. I love that sort of giving yourself permission to, you know, be creative and, you know, being a little messy if, ha if you have to, but for the, for the, for the better good, you know, I just, I love that. Yeah. And, and, and in a way, I think I have always processed information that way. You know, I was that kid who in an academic environment, 
um, would look at a multiple choice question. And uh, if you remember multiple choice, it's, you know, there's a right answer, there's an almost right answer, there is a wrong answer, and there's a very wrong answer. And I could spend the entire three hours of a test obsessing over the almost right answer and trying to figure out how it could be right and how it could be even more appropriate than the right answer. And it is sort of the way my brain works. And, and um, being able to serve that is, is a luxury that most mm. are not afforded. And, mm. and I'm very grateful for that opportunity. That's so great. Um, so you talked earlier, um, well, actually, we talked on before we got on the phone mm -hmm. <laughs> um, about, you know, relationships and how great your relationships are. Oh, well, you did mention it, your relationships with your suppliers, you know, in Asia, that's, that's one of the reasons why you started the company. And I know you have great relationship with retailers. Um, so what are some of your secrets to success there? Because, you know, retail is a big partnership oriented business. And, you know, it would be great to sort of get your perspective on, on what you've done to make that so such a so positive. Um, sure. Um, it, it's actually not as complicated as you would think it is. It is. We live and die by the strength of our partnerships, whether they're our partners overseas or there are partners um, in the States. We are codependent. And I think because of my experience in the industry, um, I am humbly aware that I am only as successful as the retailers are that sell my shoes. It is, you know, only with mutual success can we grow together. Mm. Um, and I am very aware that my relationships or the trust that, that I have with my partnerships overseas um, you know, we've got each other's back. And, and I think that started because um, I actually credit my father. Um, when, when I started Farrell Robin, I remember him saying to me, um, your word means everything. And a handshake is, is as meaningful as any written contract that you sign. Mm -hmm. And your integrity is what is going to get you through the good and the bad times. And um, it spoke to me, but it also was something I took very seriously. And, and you know, my partners overseas have, have been incredibly supported when we needed support. And uh, we have paid back every dollar that we have ever owned at difficult times. Mm. And we really... Um, go to the extreme to ensure the success of our footwear and our retailers because we are so codependent and it has served us very well yeah that's so great i love that um and i did i wanted to talk about one of your partnerships that you have with zappos i thought i thought mm -hmm. that was really super interesting maybe you could tell the um the audience a little bit about that one of your great partnerships sure also a relationship that was created from a a um a CEO member in in a large retailer that we had worked with had, um, be, you know, began working with in strategy for Zappos and and she approached me and asked me how I'd feel about creating a small line for them because I really am one of the only women in our industry that is a founder and CEO and and created this 
this business. And because we had worked together historically, she had trusted us to do so. And um, and I went back to her and, and I said, I, I would love to do this, but but I would like it to be an inclusive line. And and at that period in time, there was, you know, LGBTQIA plus rights were being put into question. The trans community was under scrutiny and remains under scrutiny. Um, there is a very high suicide rate. And I really felt that it was an opportunity for, for us as, as a brand um, to honor these women and to know that, that um, we consider it our obligation, our moral obligation and a priority to serve this marginalized community of women who want footwear. And they were incredibly supportive of the idea. And that's how we launched Feral by Feral Robin on Zappos. It was really to serve a community that is, that is not served for, for profit. I mean, really the reason shoe companies don't make footwear up to those sizes is that um, the components that are required in the amortization of those sizes um, just isn't profitable for most companies. Right. And, and doing the right thing and playing the long game is more important to us than any given moment um, in time of profitability that we know that we have the ability to make it up at some point in time. And um, it's actually a project I'm incredibly proud of. Yeah, and I just wanted to be clear. So it's 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 larger sizes. It goes up to like a, a certain it, size. It goes up to a woman size 16, which would be a man size 14. And what we found out is not only do these are, are these um, sizes important for the trans community, but there is a very large community of women who are unable to buy footwear in their sizes. Mm -hmm. And and it really um, addressed a need in the marketplace, mm -hmm. once again, that that people didn't approach because it just wasn't the way business was done. Right, right. Um, before we get into, I definitely want to talk a lot about your leadership style, et cetera. But before we get into that, what are some trends that you're seeing in the footwear industry now, either, you know, style-wise or just from a business perspective? Sure. You know, I, I, this is probably the question I get asked most frequently. Yeah. And it's an interesting question to answer today because we have the ability to, to, invest in information that tells us the trends that are up and coming in the future, right? So we hear um, expressions like stealth wealth today, which is, which is hidden luxury, um, really inspired from secession, oddly enough. Um, we hear um, expressions like dopamine design, which is bright and colorful and powerful that really speaks to a Gen Z consumer. Um, there is there is the renewed commitment to comfort, um, and they're all important. Um, the way we, as an organization, approach trends is, I think, different than the way most do, and that is again because I am a firm believer in due diligence. Um, I am somewhat obsessed with consumer behavior. I find it fascinating. If I didn't make shoes, I would. I would probably want to be in uh, in the world of you know psychology or psychology or, or, or psychiatry. Um, and the way consumers uh, consume is really 
insightful to me. Uh, we all live in the same world. We are all watching the same news, more or less. We are all, in, you know, you know, hooked on Instagram and and um, other forms of social media. But the way we process um, this information is very differently. A millennial consumer will will look at a trend very differently than the way a Gen Z consumer will. Same trend, different end use, different statement that they want to make to the world. And um, we think it's really important to not just understand the consumer and to know the trends that are coming down the pike, but to also understand um, where each of these consumers are on the trend curve. We work with retailers that are influencers and early adopters. We work with retailers that that have a consumer base that wants to see um, how a trend is interpreted before they are ready to commit to it. Um, so they're on all levels of of this scale, and and we use historical selling data uh, from that retailer. We look at historical data, you know, selling data for the entire industry. We look at real time information. Um, and 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 hashtag searches, and we even have the ability to actually test product with a specific retailer's consumer prior to ever introducing it to that retailer. Um, the amount of future trend um, and and the data that we use, the analytical data that we use, is really a a a nuanced. Um, experience for each consumer. We use that information to customize footwear for the, the end consumer with the goal to get it right and make her feel like the prettiest girl at the prom. So we can hear Barbie core, but how many women are buying a neutral pink versus a high pink? What do, what do women want to say with that? Um, I want to be more feminine or I'm making a statement. And, and these nuances have a great impact on on the end product. So as important as trends are and they are, we also live in a world where there's a bit of anything goes. Like there are no rules anymore and we get to be um, originals and independent or we get to to you know buy something that that feeds our soul differently. Mm. Wow that is great answer. It's so it's not about trends. It's it's about some ways personalizing, customizing, finding what's right for your customer, and then following through, as opposed to just sort of fads and stuff. It's it's definitely about trends, um, right? But but how we apply those trends is different for yeah. You know, for instance, we work with a retailer uh, that um, we're creating a line for, and it and it happens to be a larger retailer, and the opportunity to bring this this sort of French stealth wealth classic return is so hugely opportunistic because it is not a scary trend. It is stuff that we have been living with and right. seeing um, for years and years and years that sort of fell out of trend for a long time. So right. now that it's, it's returning, um, it is not scary. It is easy to interpret it. It is easy to, to, um, make it work for our wardrobes. It is right. easy to um, to to adopt, adopt and 
that's right. that's correct. It's it's yeah. it's almost nostalgic in in the way it feels. So it will really cater to a high return on investment in this particular trend, versus another trend that may cater to a, a you know a bold Gen Z consumer that mm-hmm. they have um, a smaller base of. Yeah, and unless they they want to grow that piece of the business, so what percentages of each do we apply and why and and it's really fun to challenge ourselves as a group to 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 battle that out i mean the truth of the matter is you're you're you know the designers are going to come back from europe and be inspired by what's new and fresh and a sales force is going to want to capitalize on, on historical sales and the perfect location is actually somewhere right in between and we get to throw down get in the ring with each other and come up with what you know the best product for for any given retailer would be perfect i love that description and that is so relevant in so many businesses sort of the creative and the business side having to work together to come up with something that's something that people want to buy you know so it's really cool it's 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 um it's our ability to challenge ourselves in a world where most companies don't have that luxury mm-hmm. and we really get to do it. Yeah. So talking about your company a little bit, um, how would you describe your leadership style and how do you motivate your team? How do you keep them excited to work for you? Uh, I would I would describe my leadership style as very female. Um, and I and I think that um, that actually makes us very different from most other footwear companies. Um, there is there is this understanding of, of the challenges in the world. I mean, listen, I had a nurse both of my kids at trade shows when they were three months old. And and I would never want or expect um, any other woman within the Farrell Robin organization do so. So I think very early on, um, I committed to and have great, you know, leaders in the company who also agree that people over profitability is the way we are going to run our business and that, that um, making sure they have a healthy life, making sure that our space is always safe when somebody has a bad day or is going through a difficult situation. Um, You know, some are having children and some are dealing with older parents and that is real. And, And asking somebody to walk in the front door and not feel or acknowledge those things is simply unrealistic. Um, We work on a a system of trust. Um, You know, I don't care where people work. I don't care what hours they're working. I have no interest in babysitting anybody that I work with. They were hired because they, they bring something to the table. They are hired because they're smart, that they're passionate about the work. And as long as it gets done when it gets done, the way it should be done, then, then, you know, that's, that's awesome. You know, we've always worked um, virtually in a way, you know, about 20 years ago, when when somebody had a child, the conversation is, let us know when you want to come back. Let us know where you want your computer at home or in the office. And, and do what feels right to you. The assumption that that 
child care should should have an implication on the success or the career of a woman never made sense to me. And I know from experience that if anything, women work harder, um, you know, regardless of where they are when they have children. And we live in a world where women are still punished for for caregiving and that societal norms state that women actually are the you know are still the parent that will care give so we have a very diligent paternity not that that we have many single men in the company right now but um when when we do paternity leave is incredibly important to us and it's important to me because i also know as a working mother that those three six nine months that a woman is on leave with a newborn is when sort of the the habits of the next 30 years begin. Who calls a doctor? Who changes a diaper? Who comes home from work to take care of the children? And it becomes inequitable or unequitable very quickly. And and we need to, to address those things. So people will always come before profit their happiness is important to us them being challenged and seeing a future and knowing that there's growth opportunities is important to us because we truly believe that with um you know happy coworkers that we will be more profitable and the more they somebody enjoys their job and the more they're committed to it the better the result and that has that has worked for us that's so powerful. It's so so good to hear that you think like that. You know, I'm, that's so awesome. Um, I'm going to jump ahead. Um, I know that you've worked with, with many organizations and nonprofits. Um, I know that you're very uh, passionate, obviously, about women and 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 sort of uh, building women up. Do you want, can you talk about some initiatives that you're especially proud of, either with a nonprofit that you might be working with or something that you've done around the women's space? Um, I just I know that's a big part of your DNA and, and the company's DNA. So I wanted to address it. It it is. Um being able to say thank you and give back to the world is 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 important to us. It feels good, frankly. It 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 you know makes my soul smile. Um we work with a lot of different organizations. Um just to throw you know, to give to, to name a few, we work with um the Hedrick Martin Foundation, HMI. Um that creates a safe haven for the LGBTQIA plus community in New York City. They offer counseling and community and life-saving programs for at-risk youth and and you know meals and mentoring and and we want to acknowledge this marginalized community that that needs support today and and we're committed to being a safe space. Uh, to the best of our ability. Um, we work with women's organizations like New Women New York that, that, that is a program that helps immigrant women um, learn the job landscape in, in New York. And, and um, we have, you know, it's an entire company commitment. You know, we welcome these women into the office and have mock interviews and talk about our roles and offer guidance or, or um, you know, just a safe space to talk about some of the challenges that these women are facing uh, as a means to empower them and give them the tools that they need um, to create opportunities for themselves. And, and I have to say our marketing team would 
kill me if I don't mention um, Shoes for a Cure, which is um, the footwear community's um, opportunity to support breast cancer uh, research. And I'm on the uh, on the board of that committee. Uh, it used to be known as QVC Shoes on Sale, and we're creating a, a more fun, updated um, way of approaching this commitment. And October 18th to 21st, I believe those are the days, we will be having a citywide sale in New York City at, at Chelsea Market, I believe. Um, and all the proceeds would go to breast cancer awareness. Like I am, I, I am still confused and horrified um, at the rate at which breast cancer is, is, is becoming an issue. And I am at an age where it is um, really affecting the women around me. And it's important for us to invest in a cure um, that is supportive of women. So, so we work with with a plethora of different organizations, but those are just a, a, you know a few to give you an example. Wow, those are great. Those are such they're so diverse. I mean, you, you know, you're helping the LGBTQ community, women's, um, you know, breast cancer. It's it's great that it's such a big part of your company. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna. I just have one last question. Um, is everybody out of a t of time a little? But I love you had. I read a quote somewhere that you said um, a well said well crafted footwear can boost a woman's confidence. So can you just tell me a little bit about why why you think that and your sort of thoughts or philosophy around that? Sure, I I think that was one of the most uh, empowering um, learnings that I've had in the footwear industry, and it started very early in my career. And when I was selling shoes retail at Kenneth Cole, even at the age of 16, it was incredibly apparent that that footwear had the ability to change a woman's entire emotion, that they felt pretty, they felt empowered, they felt bold, they, 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 um, they changed their posture, their face expression changed, and it was a tool for empowerment. And, and that was really exciting for me um, to watch and to witness and acknowledge. And the truth of the matter is um, women have been trained to armor up. Like, unfortunately, the reality is we wake up every day and we sort of armor up um, what conflict or what challenges are we going to have? Or how, how am I going to present myself in a room of male executives? Um, you know, am I brave enough to speak? Am I brave enough to share my opinions? And, and if something like a pair of shoes allows me to walk into that room and say, bring it on, then by all means, that's what I want to do for all women. And, and I know from experience, you know, you, you are going to 30 year, you know, high school reunion and you want to look good. And the way you dress and put yourself together is, is incredibly important as it relates to how you feel when you enter into the room. And, and I love that. And I love the ability to, to, to empower women um, with the use of the footwear that I'm so passionate about. Love that so much. I, I I know what you mean. I could just picture, you know, going into a 
sitting there as a child, again, talking about the, the shoe stores, just watching women try on shoes and how they felt so good about themselves looking at you know, looking at their feet and the and the mirrors below and stuff. So sure, and it, and it starts when we're kids. Like I right. remember, like you know, having you know one of the first pairs of Adidas high tops. Mm-hmm. They were top ten white on whites. I'll never forget. Like I was still in high school, and it made me feel like like an influencer within a community that I may or may not have been in. It it right. empowered <laughs> me to use my voice and and. And that's a, that's a powerful opportunity and responsibility to have. Yeah. And, and I, you know, it goes back to with great power comes great, great responsibility. responsibility and, and, and it's personal for me. Like I truly um, get excited when we support a marginalized community. I truly get excited when we create a shoe for $19 that will not leave a, the blister, you know, a blister on the, the heel of a woman who, you know, has to work 12 hours on her feet to, to, to feed her children. Like mm-hmm. I bow down to those women and I will do whatever I can um, to make them feel awesome. Right. <laughs> yeah. Amazing. Well, unfortunately, cause I could talk to you all day, Farrell, <laughs> I think that's all we have time for today. Um, but thank you so, so much for your time. Um, we really appreciate you stopping by Women in Retail Talks, and hopefully we'll, we will see you again soon. We will definitely see each other soon. I um, can't wait to see you again, and thank you for all that you do. I, I truly appreciate it. Thanks for listening. For more information on this podcast, please go to womeninretail.com slash podcasts for show notes. Women in Retail Talks is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify. Make sure to subscribe on our podcast channel page as well. If you've enjoyed this episode, please take a few moments to rate and review our show. Lastly, if you're a female retail leader interested in joining our community at Women in Retail Leadership Circle, visit womeninretail.com apply. Thanks, and until next time, this has been Women in Retail Talks.